podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love your propane grill? Well, life just got a little easier with Propane Taxi. Stop lugging that tank. Propane Taxi is a propane grill tank home delivery service that's ridiculously easy and convenient. Just go online, choose a delivery date, and Propane Taxi delivers grill tanks straight to your door. You can exchange any brand of tank. And right now, new customers get their first tank exchange for $10 with promo code TANK10. That's $10 for your first tank exchange with promo code TANK10. Visit PropaneTaxi.com. No no contact, no commitment, no problem. If you're snacking on anything but tasty cake, you're making a huge Miss Cake. A fistful of chocolate-covered raisins? Miss Cake. A spoonful of peanut butter? Bigger Miss Cake. Or the worst Miss Cake of all, your kid's Halloween candy. And it's May. If it's not tasty cake, it's a Miss Cake. Because nothing satisfies like a perfectly sweet butterscotch crimpet. Or rich and creamy chocolate peanut butter candy cake. Tasty Cake. Accept no substitutes. And welcome to the Cop Table podcast, where tonight we are previewing the Liverpool versus Norwich game, the Premier League opener at Anfield on Friday evening. Tonight we are live on LFC Day Trippers, the YouTube channel, and also on the Periscope channel. So if you want to head over there, you can uh, you can watch the show live with us. Joining me tonight, as usual guest, is Jay Riley. You can catch Jay on the Radio City Fan Friday talk show and uh, regular with us on the cop table. So, welcome back, Jay. Hi, Peter. You're okay? Hope you're looking forward to Friday. Yes, I'm uh, very well, thanks, uh, Jay. Looking forward to the season like uh, like everybody else is. So, good to have you back on. Also with us is Michael Bailey. Michael is uh, representing Norwich City tonight. No, he's been on with us previously in the on the cop table when they was in the Premier League and back up once again. So Michael's a journalist covers Norwich for the evening news down um, down in his area and also has joined the Athletic UK, which is the new um, subscription page that you can um, that you can subscribe to join. So thanks very much for joining us once again, Michael. Yeah, top man. Thank you, Jen. Say, Jay. Uh, good to see you. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a week, couple of weeks, having left the Eastern Daily Press and Norwich Evening News and starting a new job with the Athletic. But uh, very exciting. It's been quite a lively couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Big news out in the uh, the world of journalism at the moment. The Athletic, isn't it? So, right. Well, let's get uh, into this podcast then, lads. Going to start off with you, Jay. We're going to talk a little bit about the pre-season from both both sides. Um, Talk a little bit about our start. Then we had a couple of games over in England against Tramere and Bradford. Uh, then we went out to the United States and finished up in, in Evian, didn't he? So give us your thoughts on uh, how the pre-season went for Liverpool, please, Jay. Yeah, well, you know, pre-seasons, it's all about fitness levels, really. And, 
it was difficult for Liverpool, though, because we had quite a lot of players that were struggling with the fact that they'd been in international tournaments, like so the African Nations and the Copa America. So we've only really just got Sergio Mane back this week as well. So it's not been ideal preparation, but it is all, it is all about fitness levels, really, and you can't read too much into the results that we got. But that said, Liverpool did tend to concede quite a few goals, I thought, especially when they went to the Tour of America um, we can see the three against Borussia Dortmund, two against Seville, and two against uh, Sport and Lisbon as well. I thought Liverpool were much improved when they went to France and when they played against Lyon. Um, obviously Lyon scored a penalty early on, but Liverpool took over and ended up winning the game 3-1. Second half performance was very good, and it was good to see the likes of Salah and Firmino back and. Obviously, Naby Keita as well, who'd been, been injured, hadn't he? And then when we went to the Community Shield against Manchester City, I must admit, I mean, you know, it's, at the end of the day, it would have been nice to win the game and win the trophy. But again, you know, it's only a glorified friendly, really, gearing up for this game against Norwich on Friday night, the opening Premier League game. But I have to say, Liverpool were very good in the second half. It was a dominant performance, really, against a very good Manchester City side. And... You know, we, okay, fair enough, we only had Sadio Mane missing, but you have to question the likes of Salah and Firmino. They hadn't really had much training, but they looked like they'd never been away, really. Certainly Salah, I know he missed quite a lot of opportunities in the game, but he was getting into the positions, he looked very dangerous, and maybe with a little bit more composure in front of goal, he could have had two or three on the day. Um, just a bit disappointing to lose on penalties, but you know the performance is what you're looking for, and the fitness levels, as I say, and I thought Liverpool's performance was very good, and we did deserve to win the game. There's no doubt about that, and just unfortunate that we lost on penalties. But the actual performance itself, I'm sure Klopp will be happy with it because you know it's all geared enough for this game against Norwich on Friday night now. Yep, great stuff. Cheers, Jay. Okay then, uh, Michael, do you want to give us uh, your lowdown on the the preseason? What's been happening down with um, with Norwich City, please? Yeah, it's been a really interesting summer actually, because I think with with most newly promoted sides, you expect um, you expect loads of transfer business in. You you expect to go through preseason with people having the time to get away and and to gel. You're kind of trying to open your eyes to what they're going to do. Um, in those preseason friendlies, in terms of the first game of the season, how they're going to change and adapt and this sort of thing, and um, hasn't really been like that. You know, Norwich have they've given basically everyone who played a significant part in the championship title-winning squad last year a new contract, an extended contract, even though they would have all have got some sort of um, better pay deal uh, off automatically anyway. They've still given them new deals, um, which is great news in, in terms of some of the. Uh, hugely promising players that they have. Um, and they haven't really adapted the way they're playing, if I'm brutally honest. They, they, they still look like they're going to do what they were doing last year in terms of shape. They're obviously going to tweak it and I think they're going to have to have more variety. And they've done that a little bit here and there in preseason, but generally what we've seen has been them trying to gear up and play at a, at a tempo that they were playing towards the end of last season so uh, they went away to Germany and had 10 days there they only played a couple of friendlies and they didn't actually play a friendly in England before that which is slightly unusual um, uh, they played uh, Armenia Bielefeld in um, or Bielefeld sorry in um, uh, which I think Bundesliga second tier side um, and then uh, they beat 
Schalke 2-1, which of course David Wagner has just taken over there. Uh, they've signed Ralph Farman, who was um, sort of Schalke's first choice goalkeeper up until midway through last season. He's on loan, so it'll be interesting who gets the nod come Liverpool. I'm, I'm still expecting it to be Tim Krull, but um, we'll have to see because he's quite a big signing. Uh, so yeah, Norwich beat Sch- uh, Schalke. They then came back behind closed doors game against Brentford, who were very good and, and lively. And Norwich lost that one 3-1. And I think there has been an erratic edge to pre-season. They've looked very good in spells and then pretty lost at the back. They've conceded any number of <laughs> sloppy goals, uh, especially against Brentford. They got done 4-1 by Atalanta. But before that, they smashed Luton 5-1 at Kenilworth Road. Um, and in each game, they've looked really good in a spell, but then also, as I said, a bit erratic at the back. And Timo Pukki's had some good chances, actually quite a lot like Mohamed Salah. He, um, you know, he's been in good positions, but but missed chances. Um, Timo was also away with Finland quite late, not quite as late as Mo, but he, um, you know, he, he still feels like it, there's rustiness there. But again, he's, he is getting in good positions and his movement is still as good as it looked last year. And um, they wrapped wrapped it up with a 1-0 win against Toulouse when it, it probably should have been 4 or 5 so <laughs> I hate pre-season because it's so hard to read anything into it but I think um, they've avoided any major injuries um, that will extend into the season I think that's the thing you always want to happen and um, I think they're going to be ready to go it's a great opportunity as a first game as a as a hit to see what they can do as daunting as it gets but you could possibly argue if you were going to play Liverpool at Anfield and the first game of the season might be as good as any to to see if you can catch them out uh, and I say that obviously with a slight smile on my face Great stuff, cheers Michael Okay, yeah, just for anybody who's uh, who's watching us live on the, the YouTube or, or the Twitter page there's a few people asking in the chat room that, is this live yet? We are on a live show tonight so if you want to put any questions into that chat room for Michael or for Jay or for myself feel free to uh, comment I know there's a few uh, few people in there at the moment you've got Barry Carr uh, North Red a um, few of the regulars from Gav's show so anyone's welcome to uh, interact with us and, and get involved with the show so next thing we're going to talk about is what everyone wants to, to hear about especially from the Liverpool side of things and it's the transfer window. So, Jay, we've um, we've signed three players, haven't we? Van den Berg, um, Harvey Elliott from Fulham, and Adrian has come in to replace Simon Mignolet as our, our number two, two goalkeeper. So, um, lots of rumours throughout the summer. You've had Coutinho, we've had the Bruno Fernandes linked. Um, first of all, Jay, is the, is the window over for Liverpool now? Do you see any business being done? And um, and what do you make of of Klopp's choice if if we don't bring anyone in? Um, what do you what's your thoughts on us going into the season in in the same with the same squad as, as last year? Well, I think it's it seems fairly obvious that Liverpool are probably not going to sign anyone anyway for a number of weeks now, hasn't it? Really, because I know there's been the talk recently of Coutinho and the stuff of. Bruno Fernandes, but Liverpool, as far as I'm aware, they were quite keen on Pepe, who went to Arsenal, but when the figures were beyond £40 million for a player that, you know, would be probably deemed as a little bit of a gamble, there was no way Liverpool were going to pay £70-odd million for a player to just compete with the likes of Mane and Salah, and, and, you know, obviously be backups to them, because Liverpool are just simply not going to do that, there's just no way, I mean, you know, Mane, Salah and Firmino are absolutely unbelievable players, 
And the, the problem with a pool of God is if one of them gets injured, yeah, probably are looking around thinking, Oregi, Brewster, Shakiri, are they all going to be able to do a job for us? And last season he did do a job for us, didn't he? You know, obviously that semi-final game against Barcelona, we, we were absolutely fantastic, really, when you think, no Salah, no Firmino, we ended up winning the game 4-0. But if if one of them got injured for like any length of time, six weeks, three months, whatever, you probably would be looking over your shoulder thinking this is going to be a bit of a struggle. Um, but Liverpool are simply not going to pay £70 million for someone as as Arsenal pay for Pepe. Their need was much greater than Liverpool's to get someone like that and pay that amount of money. And the problem is Liverpool have just decided this summer to keep the powder dry. We've got a couple of good young kids there, Vandenberg, the Dutch lad, Johnny 17, Harvey Elliott, who has looked quite well in cameo roles that he's had in pre-season. He scored a goal tonight as well, didn't he, for the under-21s in that EFL trophy, that tournament that we've entered this season. So so, you know, he's only a 16-year-old boy. He looks like he's got a massive future ahead. I think the situation with Mignolet was, you know, we wanted to move on and play games. And a team from his homeland came in with an offer that was, you know, deemed acceptable. So Liverpool have obviously had to go into the transfer market to get a free transfer goalkeeper in Adrian, who is, is probably a little bit better, actually, than Mignolet, because we all know the mistakes that Mignolet has made for Liverpool in his career. He, he's he's been a great professional, but he's not the greatest, you know, greatest goalkeeper in the world, is he? So, you know, to, to replace him, we've done it with a free transfer. So, Liverpool have been more about continuity this summer. They've kept the same group of players. We've not sold a top player as we have done in the past. So, Liverpool have still got the nucleus of a fantastic team, a great 15, 16 players, if you like. But, yeah, you know, maybe you look at it last season and think Manchester City have got a bigger and better squad, which admittedly they have. And it has been a little bit frustrating. I can see fans, you know, people are saying you can't stand still. And I do get that because you're looking at the other teams around us who are making signings. But let's not forget they are playing catch-up. You know, was it Tottenham last season? Oh, sorry, it was Chelsea who came third in the end, wasn't it? And Tottenham came fourth. And they were like 23, 24 points behind Liverpool. And I know maybe the signings that Tottenham have made in particular, yeah, OK, fair enough, they could close the gap a little bit. You know, I've just spoken there about Arsenal signing Pepe. But they haven't addressed the key issues of their team. Defensively, they're an absolute jambles. I believe tonight it looks like they're going to sign Kieran Tierney from Celtic, which is a good signing at yeah. left-back. But they haven't addressed the centre-half issues and there's talk of David Luiz going there. I don't know whether that makes them you know, even weaker if he signs for them because he's an absolute shambles himself, isn't he? Imagine him and Mustafi centre-half pairing. It'd be an absolute joke. Lavel and Adi at the back for them. So, you know, you've got to consider <laughs> he, might, he, he may well have made a good sign in, in Pepe, but, you know, they still haven't addressed the key issues that they've got. You look at Manchester United, OK, fair enough. Harry Maguire, he's a decent centre-half. There's no doubt about that. But they've had to pay the world record fee for the centre-half, which is incredible, really, because... Let's get real about it. He's decent. He's about fifty million pounds. They've paid well over the odds for him, and realistically, they've not strengthened that much elsewhere. Have they? Yet yeah, okay, they got a full-back from Crystal Palace again, paid over the odds for someone who's had one full season in the Premier League. But have they really strengthened enough to 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 be a genuine title contender like with City and Liverpool? You'd have to say no. So I think people were flapping over the transfer market far too much and. I think what you've got to think about is Jürgen Klopp and Michael Edwards are very meticulous in what they do and how they sign players. They do the research, they're very thorough, aren't they? So there's not a chance that Liverpool are just going to 
dive into the transfer market so late in the day to make a, a 60, 70 million pound sign and it's just not going to happen. Um, you know, there was talk of Coutinho. To me, if I had my choice, I probably would say bring Coutinho home pure and simply because if you can get him on loan, he, he wouldn't have much time. To, he wouldn't need to settle or acclimatise to the league or to learn the system of how Liverpool play, get used to familiar with his teammates, work with the manager, because he's already been at the club only 18 months ago. Things haven't changed that dramatically since he's left the club. It'd be a no-brainer to me, but you just think it's maybe something that Klopp doesn't want to do. He doesn't want to revisit because, you know, it did seem that he left on decent terms when we played them last season in the Champions League semi-final. He seemed to get on okay. You know, they had the hug at the end and what have you and everything seemed amicable. But, you know, once you cross a line, he clearly wants to leave Liverpool to move on to bigger and better things or so he thought. And, yeah, he's won trophies at Barcelona, but he hasn't won the big one. And Liverpool knocked him out last season and went on to win the European Cup. And maybe Klopp just thinks, you know, he, he had his chance and he, he wants to move on and he, he won't go back in for him. Other than that, you know, we've spoken about this in our WhatsApp group that we're in. We know full well, 100% Liverpool are mad keen on trying to sign Jaden Sancho from Borussia Dortmund. The lad's going to be a superstar. He's already in England internationally, still only a young boy. It's going to cost a lot of money to get him. And, you know, what I'm led to believe is the lad's keen to join Liverpool, but obviously it's a bit difficult to make it happen now. So that's something that Liverpool will probably revisit maybe in the January transfer window or next summertime. He's certainly someone who Liverpool won 100%, but whether or not we'd be able to get it over the line, it's anyone's guess, isn't it? But I just can't see anything happening now because it's just not the Liverpool way. If you look at Jürgen Klopp's signing since he's been at the club for the four years he's been here, every single transfer window, what, what signings have we ever, have we made so late in the day? The only one that I can remember is Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. And we yeah. all knew at the start of the summer we wanted Oxlade-Chamberlain, but Arsenal were digging the, digging the heels in with it. They offered him a new contract. He didn't want to sign a new contract. And then Liverpool ended up signing with a couple of days to go before the deadline. And we ended up paying a lot of money at the time as well. £40 million two years ago seemed a lot of money for a player who only had one year left on his contract. So it's, it's just not really the cop's way. If you look at last summer, straight away after we'd lost the Champions League final to Real Madrid in Kiev, bang, we signed Fabinho. And, you know, it didn't take too much longer to get the other deals over the line. And Klopp's the type of manager as well where if he really wants a player, he hangs fire for that player. It happened with Virgil van Dijk. He waited six months and got him in the January time after we'd, the club had apologised to Southampton for tapping up, really. Um, and, and similar happened with Cater in the sense that Liverpool really wanted him. Leipzig didn't want to sell him, but we paid a little premium on him to, to make sure we got him and he signed it and come 12 months later. So that's just the way Klopp operates and, and Michael Edwards operates as well. They're very meticulous in who they sign and I just can't see them knee-jerking and signing someone with 24 hours to go. It's just not the Liverpool way under Klopp and this, those transfer structures that we've got. Yeah, just one or two comments in the, the chat room. I see um, Tom, our graphic designer, has joined us there, Star LFC. Um, and a couple of the guys are saying in there that Graham Hunter, the the, the Spanish um, journalist for Sky, who, who has been on the cop table with us, has, has apparently put on his uh, on his tweet that Phil, Philip Coutinho is apparently um, heading over to England. This is this what is... The latest to come from Graham Hunter, he seems to think that he is going to be moving to to over to England. Whether that, that 
that is a link for Liverpool to to follow. I don't know. Um, it could be another club. I know he's been linked with Tottenham, Arsenal, and um, amongst others, hasn't he? So yeah, just one What's or two interesting things to keep with an eye that, on there. With, with that though, Peter, I, I mean, his agent did come out recently and say that he wouldn't play. It would be awkward for him to play for another English club. And to be honest with you, yeah. It would hurt if Coutinho went to Arsenal or he went to Tottenham or he went to any other English team, to be honest with you, because we all know he's a fantastic player. He's a little magician. He was perfect for Liverpool in the system that we had back then, 18 months ago. We have evolved a little bit, but I'm sure he'd be able to pick up the tactics again, the little slight change that we've had since he's, he's, the, he's the part of the club. But what I will say is you've got to consider the fact that you know he went to Barcelona and he, he went there and it was an astronomical amount of money, £142 million is is a lot of money. Liverpool got a fantastic deal for him and it enabled Liverpool to sign Alisson for sixty five million and also Virgil van Dijk for seventy five million. And Liverpool went on to win the European Cup and the rest history it's great. But if he did come back, if Liverpool went to get him and it was another team, you would be you would be a little bit gutted because we all know what he's capable of. Things might not have worked out for him at Barcelona. It's probably difficult when you're playing under the shadow of someone like Lionel Messi, who's the best player in the world, is the best player on the planet. So it's very difficult for someone like Coutinho's gone there and he's not the main man because the back end of, of this time at Liverpool, he was the main man. So realistically speaking, to me, as I said before, it'd be an absolute no-brainer. We should be getting him back, but I'm just not sure Klopp's comfortable with it. And with that news that he's coming over to England, it's a little bit worrying, really, isn't it? Because if Liverpool aren't to get him back, who's he going to go to? So, you know, the worry is, like, you know, he could be lining up against us next season. And, and it's, I shouldn't say worry, that's not the right word to use, but it still not, wouldn't be nice, would it? Because we all know what a great footballer he is. And it's just a shame the way he left Liverpool. And he, he went for it to follow his half, to follow his dream. It's a pinnacle, isn't it, of every South American player, whether you're Brazilian or Argentinian. Everyone wants to play in Spain and for Barcelona or Real Madrid, one of the two giants over there. And it works out for some of them and it doesn't work out for others. And, you know, for Coutinho, it's seemingly it hasn't worked out for him. But it would be a little bit of, you know, be hard, wouldn't it, to take seeing and play for someone else? So hopefully, if this news is breaking news now that he's coming over to England, hopefully Liverpool have decided to just go for him and bite the bullet. Yeah, be interesting to see what happens over the next uh, 24 hours or less than whatever's in the transfer window. But one or two questions for for yourself, uh, Michael. A few of the few of the Liverpool fans actually are asking uh, about the fullbacks that we spoke about before the the, the show started. So they just want to know. Oh, um, about the the fullbacks, Aaron's and um, the other lad's name escapes me. But can you give us some information on them two players, please? I can indeed. Yeah, Jam- uh, Jamal Lewis is is the left back. Lewis, sorry, yeah, yeah, no problem at all. Yeah, Jamal Lewis and and, and Max Aaron's is the right back. Uh, Jamal Lewis is Northern Ireland international already. He's only twenty one. He only made his debut for Norwich uh, Boxing Day. Uh, no, it was the game before Boxing Day 2018, uh, and he did that without any senior football um, before it. Max Ahrens made his senior debut for Norwich at the start of last season in uh, an early League Cup game. His championship debut came in the East Anglian derby at Ipswich when, um, believe it or not, uh, Norwich had made a pretty poor start to the season. They'd only won one of their first five games, and there was a bit of pressure around the place so um, Daniel Farker um, 
he takes risks with young players, but I tell you what, he doesn't half back them to the hilt when he plays them. He 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 doesn't just then um, bin them out of the squad if or the eleven if um, they've done quite well, but he needs something else or something more experienced for another game. He he will stick them in when everyone around them is going for. I think it's I think it's time to bring in someone with a bit more experience. It, it just didn't happen, and um, the two of them have been uh, stunning. I think it's the only thing to say. They they were so integral, especially last season season to the way Norwich were playing, so high up the pitch. It it does vacate space behind them, uh, and I would be slightly worried that Premier League clubs will have um, a lot more uh, quality and, and nous in terms of taking advantage of that. It'll be interesting how Norwich deal with that over the course of of the Premier League campaign. Um, but they have so much energy. They're so good with the ball and with driving forward. It, and then Norwich are quite patient in possession as well. They do play a different brand of football um, to Liverpool, despite obviously the, the Dortmund connection with both um, with both Jurgen and, and Daniel Farker. Um, but uh, Max and Jamal both uh, both allow Norwich to drive up the pitch and then hold them and, and pick a lock. Um, so Jamal, yeah, already a Northern Ireland international, 21 years old, and. Um, uh, probably just needs to work a little bit on his on his um, end product to the other end of the pitch. But one on one defending, he's very good and he's a huge prospect. The, the the only thing for Jamal is that Max is only 19, so he's two years younger. Both of them um, came through Luton's academy before they were picked up at the age of 16 by Norwich. Um, Max is phenomenal. Ma- Max is, is, is arguably has overtaken Jamal to a degree. He um, is. I uh, don't think he's played for the England under 21s yet. Um, but that will that will happen. I think he was in a training camp with them before the summer. But um, I think Norwich wanted to make sure that he had a rest so that he didn't have too much action because he'd only just um, completed his first season. But again, his energy, his um, his drive. He's a brilliant one-on-one defender. You could probably name uh, uh, think of the mistakes he made on, on one hand from last season. He looked so assured and confident, and his. The remarkable thing, I think, is, you know, Jamal had six months breaking into the side and, you know, his form tailed off a little bit. And then when he then broke, when he then got going um, in last season, he looked like he'd taken a big step in terms of maturity and development. He looked absolutely comfortable with Max. He has looked he looked a championship player basically from his, you know, a couple of games in into his into his sort of starting run I would say which was at left back by the way so once he got himself sorted at right back he just looked so confident and so consistent over the course of the season it it was frightening uh, I mean uh, Jay was was talking about um uh Wan-Bissaka and of course his huge move to Manchester United uh it will be really interesting where we are sort of six months into this season because I I'm not I'm, I would venture there isn't going to be too much between him and Max Aaron's uh, Honestly, if, if Max Aarons isn't playing for England in, in a, you know, at some point in just a few years' time, I'd be surprised because I think he's, he's got everything and he, he produces, he produces at the other end of the pitch. He's a really good one-on-one defender. He can get up and down the pitch brilliantly and, and he's really intelligent. He has a really good awareness of what's around him. He knows when to turn and when to make space. Um, obviously it's going to be a huge step up for him this year. And I think with, with a lot of those players, we, we're expecting them to make mistakes. But what they have proven over the last 12 months is that they learn from them really quickly. And, and that's the sign of obviously a very good player. And I, I can assure you, Max Aarons is a, is a very, very good player. Yeah, definitely one for us to keep an eye on on Friday evening at Anfield. Um, so see if he lives up to his bill and eh? But also, um, 
Michael, I'd just like to ask you about the other transfers that's that's happened at Norwich over over the course of the summer. Uh, can you give us the details about any other players that's been brought in and anyone that's that's left the club? Yeah, yeah, I can. I don't know if any of your Liverpool fans will be too fast or excited by it, but I'll definitely let you know. I mean, in terms of major outgoings, there haven't been any. Norwich have kept hold of all the, 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 the key players that were involved. Nelson Oliveira is the, probably the one that um, people might know about who, who was been out of favour under Daniel Farker for for about 12 months and he's off uh, being uh, sold to uh, AK Athens but other than that no major departures um, obviously I mentioned Ralph Farm and the goalkeeper from Schalke who's on loan uh, Norwich completed the signing today on loan of Ibrahim um, uh, Amadou and that is yeah, just one before it goes off my screen here Michael I've got a question um, yeah. ask uh... Michael about Alex Claude Maurice is that right <laughs> that is right yeah Alexis Claude Maurice yeah he uh he has been um I, th- I think that they, there are some strong links in France um that he that Norwich have had a bit accepted and all this sort of thing um it won't he won't be coming to Norwich um that's not going to happen it's certainly not going to happen this window uh Norwich really like him so I don't think that's an issue but um yeah, it won't happen here. We'll, we'll have to see wherever he ends up somewhere else because uh, I, th- I think his agent's quite busy. But um, we'll see. But yeah, um, Norwich fans might have to uh, be prepared that that won't happen. He's been linked with some, some decent clubs as well over this window. So it'll be interesting where he ends up, um, if anywhere. Excellent stuff. Thanks, Michael. OK, then, Jay, yeah, just uh, one or two more um, questions that have come in. Um, one one of the guys, I think it was North. Arthur Red has, uh, has said, "Do you think that Jamie Vardy would be a um, a fit for for Liverpool if he became available towards the end of the window?" And um, question off Tom. He says, "If one of the big three, um, can we really rely on on what we have behind them in the squad? Should should anything um, touch wood, nothing happens to them? But if if it." That eventuality did happen. Do you see us having enough backup going into this um, into this current season? Well, talking about Jamie Vardy, I mean, he's obviously uh, he works very hard, doesn't he, up front for for Leicester, and he's a he's a proven goal scorer. He, he's won the Premier League as well, but I think his age would be against him really in terms of Liverpool going for him as a shining. But he's someone that, of course, I think I've always thought in the past that he'd probably suit the way Liverpool play, but it's highly unlikely Liverpool would go for someone like him really because of his age um, talking about the front three well I did touch on that before didn't I really the fact that they seem superhuman don't they all three of them it's very rare that they get injuries I mean I was saying you know a lot, a large part of last season about you know when I was still couldn't really quite get over the Kiev defeat where you know obviously like Salah went off injured in the first half and it was just I was saying wasn't it we were cursed because like when do you ever see Mo Salah go off injured in any game of football and you know the same last season he, it's like he's made a rubber isn't he? it's very rare that he gets injuries and Sadio Mane again another one who, who just doesn't seem to get many injuries at all Firmino gets a few at times and he did get one towards the back end of last season and obviously when we had the, the Champions League games against Barcelona it, he was probably about 50% fit when he came on in a new camp and then that meant he was out of the second leg at Anfield when we really needed him. And other players stepped up, didn't he? You know, Divock Origi stepped up in that game. Wijnaldum come off the bench to score two. And, 
you know, certain other players. We've got Shakiri, who, who a lot will be expected of him this season. It was interesting that the small and earlier on today, James Pierce was saying that Klopp's expecting bigger things from Shakiri this season, which hopefully that'll be the case. But is he quite good enough to start a, a you know a long run of games like ten, twelve games on the spin? If one of them's out injured, I'm not so sure. And then also, you know, we haven't replaced Daniel Sturridge. Let's be honest, probably been finished for a couple of seasons now, but did pop up last season with quite a few important goals, really. One in particular, anyway, away against Chelsea early on the season towards the end of the game. And he also scored, he opened the scoring, didn't he, in the Champions League game against uh, Paris Saint-Germain at Anfield. But I think with Sturridge, like, it's clear to see that Klopp really thinks there's a big future there for, for Rian Brewster. He's only a young boy, isn't he? But he's a wonder kid and he's a, we've seen at the start of pre-season when he started a few games. He looks like a poacher, doesn't he? A bit of a fox in the box and I'm sure he'll get opportunities this season when you see other lads going out on loan. The likes of Wilson, we want to sell Ryan Kent, don't we? And, you know, you look at them moving on and Ben Woodburn's also gone out on loan. And their options are available to Liverpool in, in, you know, attacking players. And Klopp's decided to let them move on, really, hasn't he? And Brewster's still at the club. So I think that tells you its own story, really, that he's, he's got like high hopes for them this season. He'll be introduced to the team and nurtured along, you know, as, as much as possible. But it, it's like anything else, isn't it? It's all hearsay. You know, I, I can see people's, you know, they're, they're a bit wary of the fact that if Liverpool do get an injury to one of the, the key trio up front, then if, it, if they're out for three months or so, it could derail the, the season a little bit because I think with Divock Origi, he, he scored some vital goals last season, didn't he? And obviously the goal he scored for us in Madrid, the clinching goals to win us the European Cup. He's always going to be a legend now. He's a hero, isn't he? Because of it. But as an all-round player and his all-round game, I don't think he's quite good enough. And you wouldn't really want to see him starting for two or three months on the spin for us because, you know, he offers us a different dimension. He gives us something different off the bench as an impact player and he does appear to be in the right place right time, he's got a knack of scoring important goals and late goals as we've seen last season, a regular starter, I don't think he's quite good enough to be honest and let's be honest about it as well, for two years Liverpool had sent him out on loan and was trying to get shut of him, weren't he really and then all of a sudden he stayed last season and he did prove to be worth his weight in gold really but only as an impact player so you couldn't really rely on him too much and I've already said about Shaqiri I'm not too sure he'd be good enough as well to play consistently for three months of the season if needs be. And Bruce is only a kid. So I've said all summer, haven't I, to you, you know, outside of Twitter and off podcasts and all that. Yeah, we all want to sign and we'd have all liked another attack and option, if you like, or someone like a Coutinho or a, or a forward thinker midfield player who's creative who maybe if we did want to change the system to a 4 2 3 1 or something. I would have liked someone to be brought in because there is always that fear. But let's be honest, the three the three of them up front, you know, they're the best players in the world, aren't they? They're up there in the top ten players in the world. So, you know, if unless they get a bad injury, we wouldn't be having this conversation, would we? So we've just got to hope and pray that they don't get injuries and they are good. But they have been good for the last two seasons, so there's no reason to, to feel like any of them are going to get injuries. And we got by last season with the nucleus of this same group of players, really. And Moreno's moved on, Mignolet's moved on, and Sturridge's moved on. But let's be honest, none of them were, were good enough anyway no more. So, you know, Mignolet was only a backup keeper. We've replaced him with Adrian um, we haven't replaced Moreno or Sturridge, but as I said before, 
you know, Rion Brewster's going to get opportunities this season. It's just like, I suppose, the left-back area where Robertson, if he did get an injury, you're talking like, you know, LaRucci, the young kid, or Adam Lewis, or James Milner playing out of position there, or whether or not Joe Gomez or Trent could play over there as well as, you know, as an emergency left-back. It's not yeah, ideal. That's but, just a, a point that's that's being made in, in the chat room currently, JM. Three yeah. or four of the, the people in there, including David, my brother, he's in there, he's, he's saying, ask Jay, he seems to be pretty concerned about the situation with the fullback as is uh, Barry Carr and um, North Red they're, they're all saying they're, they're fearful of anything happening in the in the left back area so yeah just continuing on from your point what's what's your answer to them please well that's it I mean it's, it's looking like if you look at all the pre-season games it's been LaRucci Lewis they, they're the ones that have played there you know at the very start of pre-season and then of course Andy Robertson came back to training didn't he and he's, he's been playing the games ever since so if he was to get injured, it does appear that Klopp's going to go with, with one of the kids there, isn't he, at left-back? And we've got to look at last season, how many games did Moreno play? Did he play about five games all season? So here's hoping that, you know, Robertson again, a bit like the front three, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't get any injuries and he's not out for any length of time. If he misses the odd game here and there, then he might be okay. But it's, it's, it's all hearsay again, isn't it? If, if one of them gets a bad injury, then we could be struggling a little bit. But, Look, last season, the nucleus of this same group of players won the European Cup, got 97 points. And who are we to argue with what Jürgen Klopp sees and, and what he feels he sees fit to do this season moving forwards? We've just got to trust his judgment. You know, he's earned that right now, hasn't he? And of course, yeah, we'd have liked to have, we'd have all liked to have seen a couple of a little additions here and there, but it just doesn't appear that it's going to be the case now. As I say, less than 24 hours of the transfer window to go. Liverpool are not going to need Jake. It's just not the, the Liverpool way under Jürgen Klopp. We leave that to all the other clubs who are out there, you know, running around trying to put phantom bids in for players. I mean, Everton have been for six players, I think it is today, and Manchester United have been bidding for players. Tottenham have been bidding for players, and you hear fans say, well, at least they're being ambitious and they're trying to center the team and the squad, but as I said before, it's all about continuity with Jürgen Klopp. We all know what he's like. You only have to look back to his days with Dortmund. He always likes to blood a few youngsters in. And, you know, he gave Trent Alexander-Arnold his opportunity and the lads played in two European Cup finals last two seasons. And, you know, why can't any of the others do it? Like the likes of Ian Brewster and, or, or LaRucci or Lewis or someone like that. You know, we've just got to trust the man, haven't we? You know, he, he did win us a European Cup, as I keep saying. So we can't, we, we can't, we, you know, he's a better manager and he's a better judge than what we are on Twitter or doing a podcast or any journalists out there, isn't he? So if, you know, let's see how the season starts and let's assess it in January because I'm sure if Liverpool do get a couple of bad injuries early on in the season, yeah, it'd be frustrating as fans because we'll look at it and say, well, you should have dipped into the transfer market, but, you know, let's trust his judgment for now and see how it goes. And then if January comes and we're struggling a little bit, I'm sure he will have like players in mind that he wouldn't mind going for. I'm not having all this stuff where they're saying FSG, there's no money. It's just impossible for Liverpool to not have money. We've been to two European Cup finals. You know, we come second in the Premier League. We actually earned more money last season than Manchester City did in in terms of like you know all all the money that you get from from the league campaign, that the TV money and what have you. So, I think what you've also got to consider in terms of finances with Liverpool, though, 
And FSG said this from the very start, seven, eight years ago, or however long ago it was when they first came to the club. They said, didn't they? They said they want Liverpool to be run self-sufficiently. So that's why you see all these sponsorship deals left, right, and centre about the, you know, obviously the, the training, like the training kits and. You know, we've got all kinds of sponsorship deals that are coming out of our ears, and that's the reason why they've done it because they want us to be self-sufficiently run. And obviously, we've got prize money now because we've won the Champions League as well. So, I just think you've got to analyse the bigger picture. And you know, Liverpool have probably triggered a lot of player contracts and bonuses now because they have won the European Cup. So, you've got to factor in a lot of things. And Liverpool are sensibly run, probably one of the most sensibly run clubs that there is in the country. We're not like throwing money around like confetti. We've got a fantastic team as it is. We've got some very good players and we've got a fantastic manager as well who knows how to work with them players. So I've said it about three or four times now. It's all about continuity. And of course, we're all a little bit frustrated we haven't made a couple of signings here and there. It's great signing these kids, hot prospects. Would I like a couple of more additions you might have seen more of in the, fi- in the first team this season? But it's just not to be, so let's just accept it for what it is. Look forward to the season, look forward to Friday night, trust Jürgen Klopp, and we'll see how the season goes. And I'm sure if things aren't working out, then there's always the January transfer window. Definitely. Yeah, we've, we've got about three or four minutes before we'll have to wrap things up because the, the live day trip is show is going to come in. So yeah, there's there's plenty of people in the chat room, a few of them arguing amongst themselves there. Um <laughs> Keegan and um I think it was Bleak Bleak seventy seven, he he's he's pretty um seems he's pretty irate about us not bringing anybody in, which he's entitled to that opinion. Um and he's also of the thought of of, of no money for Klopp. But yeah, we'll um Seeing as that was the first one, we it's it's pretty new to us, so we will get used to it over the few, next few weeks, answering all uh, the questions as we can in in the, the chat room. So, yeah, we've got a few minutes left now, guys. Just before we um, wrap things up, I'd just like to get your your thoughts on a, a team team prediction for the for the game. So, um, Michael, do you want to go first and give us your thoughts on what the starting lineup for Norwich will be at Anfield on uh, Friday evening, please? Oh yeah, okay. I wish I'd had a, I wish I'd thought about that. Um, I think. Um... <laughs> I still think it'll be Tim Krul given the nodding goal, but um, that's that's pretty. That's a very interesting battle that one. Um, so Tim Krul, as I said, it'll be Jamal Lewis and, and Max Ahrens as, as left and right back respectively. Uh, ben Godfrey will be one of the two. He's 21 year old. He'll 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 be. Um, I think he'll impress as the season goes on. Had a heavy link with Man United during the summer. Um, looking forward to seeing him play in the um, in the Premier League. I think he'll. Probably be alongside Grant Hanley at centre back, mainly because I, I think Tim Closer is going to be touch and go for Friday night. Swiss international, one of the few names that people might recognise in the in the Norwich squad, and uh, Christoph Zimmerman, who um, has played a lot. He's actually been out all pre-season. Um, I think it'll be Tom Tribal, former Werder Bremen midfielder. He'll be holding. So I, I guess Norwich will. Be possibly quite close to a four-one-four-one, which might be a slight tweak. But uh, Tom Tribal holding. Um, I think it will be Maurice Leitner, who's one of the players who played along, uh, who played under Jurgen Klopp uh, at Dortmund. Um, he'll sort of be uh, next to Tom, but possibly pushing on a little bit. And then there'll certainly be a further forward three. And I think that will be Anel Hernandez, first Cuban to play in the Premier League. That would be if he starts on um, the left. Um, 
Emi Buendia on the right. He's an Argentine under 20 international. He's rubbish. You don't want to pay any attention to him. He's no good at all. And then <laughs> um, Temu Puki will be up top. Of course, the winner now, doesn't he? <laughs> and uh, no comment he's rubbish and um, I think then it's all up for grabs I'm probably going to forget someone who's going to play at number 10 but um, possibly Marco Stieperman who's another who played under Jurgen Klopp him and Pukki had a lovely connection last season so probably him but Patrick Roberts who's a loan signing from Manchester City he's had a very good pre-season haven't even mentioned Mario Vrancic or Joseph uh, Drimic who's come in and I'm really sure there's someone else I've missed but um, that would be my rough guess Great stuff. Cheers, Michael. Yeah, we've just got a, a couple of minutes uh, for you to to wrap it up, Jay, with the the Liverpool starting eleven for you. And um, before, also, we've got a little competition to announce before the end of the show. Go on, Jay. Yeah, well, it's obviously going to go four three three, and Allison's going to be between the sticks, isn't he? And then Trent Alexander Arnold at right back, left back, Andy Robertson. The dilemma, obviously, have Virgil Van Dijk hundred percent going to play centre half, but the two partners them. I mean, last season, mm. the back end of the season, Joel Matip was fantastic and he came on at Wembley and got the equalising goal. But Joe Gomez, before that early part of last season, was, was superb as well and he did get the nod on Sunday, didn't he? So, it'd be interesting to see who, who, who does partner Van Dijk and it's very difficult to say. It's 50-50 really, isn't it, in that regard? In the middle of the park, I'm sure it's going to be Fabinho sitting in protecting the back four and then... I it, this is also a bit of a dilemma, but I, I do think he'll go with Henderson and Wijnaldum to be honest, because Naby Keita's looked very good in the two cameo roles that he's had so far pre-season, and as the season progresses, I'm pretty sure he will be a regular in the starting eleven. But I just think because he's not had much of a pre-season, Wijnaldum's had more of a pre-season, and um, Henderson will probably start because obviously he's the captain anyway, and he's, he found a little bit of a new role, didn't he, the back end of last season where he was a little bit more advanced than he. He played quite well, didn't he, really, to be fair to him. I think he'll start, and also Wijnaldum as well. That'll be my midfield three. And then up front, I just think it might come a little bit too soon for Sadio Mane because, yeah, I take on board, he still should be quite fit because he went to the final with Senegal and the African Nations, but he did have a two-week break then. And I've been saying a couple of weeks ago that he should be fine to start against Norwich, but I just think with Origi, he's played quite a few games in pre-season. He's had more of a pre-season, of course, as he's played in every single game you know, over Mane. And I just think maybe Klopp will look at this game and think... No disrespect to Norwich, but I just think he'll look at it and think it's a, it's a, an ideal game to sort of like leave Mane on the bench for and maybe bring him on with 20 minutes half an hour to go. And I think he probably will go with Origi, Firmino and Salah to, to start the game on uh, Friday night. Great stuff. Thanks, Jay. Uh, Jay, sorry. So um, just before we, we end the show, we, we do have a LFC retro Shirt to, to give away. It's it's on the cop table Twitter page. It's the old um, grey candy um, LFC top, um, and we're we're gonna do a competition with uh, three retro who've kindly donated the the prize tonight. So um, what we've said is we're gonna do a question now. If if you can answer the question in a tweet, tag the cop table and at three retro. Also follow three retro. And then hashtag KT comps. So the question that I'm going to ask for anybody who's interested in trying to win this uh, LFC retro top is from which club did Liverpool sign Sepp van den Berg? 
and we'll need the uh, the correct spelling for that um, club before we decide who uh, whoever wins the who uh, wins the LFC retro top. And we will get in touch with uh, with with yourselves via DM on Twitter once we've um, decided who the winner is going to be. So yeah, just uh, another couple of thanks before we go. Big thanks to the LSE Day Trippers, of course, and the LSE Liverpool online Facebook, Twitter, Instagram pages who've been putting out all our podcasts last season and we continue with them this season. So it's uh, been a good association with them them guys over there. Uh, also, if there's um, if you can all get involved with the, the No More Knives campaign, with Paul Bentley, he's a good friend of mine. He, he's got something going on in Liverpool this this coming Sunday, August 11th, 11th sorry, at St George's Hall in Liverpool. He's doing a, a peaceful campaign for the anti anti knives and the No More Knives campaign that he's running. It's um, it's something that that we've been involved with him in last year, last year, and uh, it's a very good cause. So if you can all throw your weight behind Paul and um, and the team over there. So, thanks very much, Jay and Michael, for joining me on our, our first live broadcast for the Cop Table. I hope uh, you enjoyed the show. Cheers, gents. Top stuff. Yeah, thanks for uh, inviting me on. And um, here's to Friday. It should be a cracker. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. No and problem. we will uh, go on, Jay. The game. Hopefully, um, you know, it's a nice three points for the Red Men, but, you know, it's a real welcome back knowledge to the Premier League because it's been a few years since they were here. So, you know, I'm sure it'll be an interesting game on Friday evening. Yeah, brilliant stuff. So yeah, thanks, uh, thanks again, and we will have you on again, Michael, if you, you don't mind for the for the uh, return fixture later on this season. So yeah, that's the cop table podcast for the Liverpool versus Norwich game all done. Um, we will be back with our preview for the Southampton game next week, and I think Gav's going to take over that one for for myself while I'm uh, unavailable next week. So thanks everybody for. For listening, really appreciate everybody who's commented. Sorry if we didn't get to you, um, but in future we will we'll try our best to get all the all the mentions for the people involved. And yeah, keep, keep tuning in each week. Uh, it's much appreciated. So thanks very much, everybody, and uh, we'll speak to you all very soon. Goodbye. Ain't no way like the cowboy way, have a cowboy kind of day, yeah. Try the new Big Sky Burger at Roy Rogers. It's Smithfield pulled pork, beer battered onion rings, American cheese and spicy barbecue sauce on a Kaiser bun. Have a cowboy kind of day at Roy's, ain't no way you're going wrong, hey, yeah. DoorDash and Uber Eats available at participating restaurants. If you're snacking on anything but tasty cake, you're making a huge Miss Cake. A fistful of chocolate-covered raisins? Miss Cake. A spoonful of peanut butter? Bigger Miss Cake. Or the worst Miss Cake of all, your kid's Halloween candy. And it's May. If it's not tasty cake, it's a Miss Cake. Because nothing satisfies like a perfectly sweet butterscotch crimpet. Or rich and creamy chocolate peanut butter candy cake. Tasty Cake. Except no substitutes. Sports Social Podcast Network.